with that sense of starting, beginning, being born. It always brings in the, the perception of time. Somebody that's doing something, something, somebody that's experiencing. We reflect that the posture, sitting posture, the way it is. And that the mind is embracing the body. The mind is, is accepting the body and the posture of it, the way it is. breathing of the body, notice the inhalation, exhalation, the breathing, the feeling, recognize that this is a conscious experience, this consciousness, a sense of being a, a subject, experiencing an object, being able to think and feel and it's, it's consciousness. When we're unconscious we don't feel anything. Don't think anymore. Don't know anything. So consciousness is, is this way. But it's the, the identity with consciousness. The assumption that I am this feeling, thinking, body, this is me. And I am a personality. I am <coughs> a man. I am a woman. I am a monk. All these kind of of perceptions we we give great importance to. You could you could spend most of your life, isn't it, just conceiving yourself as something or other never really noticing the way it is, but just believing that you're somebody, a personality, a, a woman, a man, senior monk, a senior nun, I am a senior nun, I am a junior nun. And these, these are assumptions, these might be convention, conventional realities, they're merely conventions appropriate to time and place. But we can think we're a kind of permanent senior bhikkhu all the time, even when I'm asleep in my bed at night, one o'clock in the morning, I'm still Ajahn Sumato permanently. This is the, the the tendency of the out of out of ignorance to believe in the perceptions as a reality. To believe the names we have and the concepts we create are real, are ultimately real, are more real than what they actually are, if they're examined with wisdom. 
realize they are what they are, but they're not. In the, the sense of their uh, kind of solidity and absoluteness vanishes. They're merely flashes or moments or soap bubbles, foam on the sea. They are what they are in the moment, but there's no Ajahn Sumato as a kind of permanent, absolute, solid reality in my mind or in yours or in anything. I mean, you sometimes the, my name comes up in your consciousness, but that is, that is a moment, conscious moment, perceiving with the perception of Ajahn Sumato, that's a, that's a perception of the mind. When you think Ajahn Sumato, that is, what is that really? It's a perception. Is that really a solid living person? And yet you can believe in Ajahn Sumato as a kind of absolute solid reality that is here all the time. Or in your mind as a kind of something really <coughs> ongoing, ultimately true, ultimately real, something you, you, uh, you believe in. But on investigation with Sati and Banya, you can see it's a perception, Ajahn Sumato is a perception of the mind. <coughs> That's what perception is. Just we, we we create perceptions. The same with yourself. Think about yourself. Sister Sundra. This is I am a kind of ongoing Sister Sundra all the time. But, uh, I have a history, autobiography, passport, all kinds of uh, little nuns booklet, uh, all things to prove that I am absolutely at all times under all conditions Sister Sundra. Or is that just the perception in the moment? We can believe it is a kind of absolute tithing uh, that, that I am this all the time. But, say, in mindfulness we see that that, that perception arises and ceases in the mind. When that, see, when that perception isn't present, That's all it is. It's a perception. It's not a real solid person. And so we we free ourselves from binding our we we are liberated through this binding our, ourselves to perceptions, our views and opinions. When there's no sister sooner, what's left? mind can go and think about somebody else, you know, think about the Chandra theory, 
too cold in here. Ooh. I don't like the cold. I do wish it'd get warmer. Oh, and this is a one can observe this mood, this sense of aversion to the temperature that you're feeling. What is that mood like when you're feeling averse and negative and you don't like it the way it is, you don't want to be cold, you don't want to be where you are, you don't want to be with the people you're with, you don't like this and you don't like that. And you see, you feel things aren't right, things should be otherwise. And, of, and you can observe the mood of negativity like this. That's, that's the Buddha knowing the Dhamma. Negativity is a condition, is a sankhara, and all sankharas are impermanent. The self is uh, the self, the atta, tuaton or self-view is the is the thing that you you tend to believe in a lot. Of. I don't like this. I don't like the cold. I want to to be warm. That's the thing that complains and makes problems and likes this person, doesn't like that person, worries. Is anxious, upset, jealous, frightened. It's the the person, the personality, the person that we create, that we believe we are, is is only a, an ephemeral phantom. Not real, but we we believe in it, so it becomes real for us. We believe in our personalities, in our views and opinions, in our reactions, emotional reactions. We believe in those things as, as if they were ultimately real, absolutely real. Notice how willingly we are to use the word absolute. Absolutely extraordinary. Absolutely fantastic. I absolutely don't like that. Absolutely, it's absolutely wonderful. I feel absolutely wonderful. I feel absolutely horrible. That's a sign of how we tend to absolutize the contingent, the relative. I absolutely can't stand that person. You hear people say. That means that that absolutely can't stand is a kind of it's ultimately is the ultimate reality, isn't it? That absolutely hating some somebody is is ultimate absolute permanent never changing reality is what you're saying when you absolutize the relative. So then what are you stuck with? You're stuck with being an absolutely, an absolute personality. A belief that you are an absolute personality, which is really depressing. Because 
even the best personalities are are are, are uh, unsatisfied. If you could be the the absolute best person, it'd still be unsatisfactory because because it's uh, you're 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 believing in something as if it were more than what it is. You're deluded. You're grasping illusion as being absolute and ultimate reality. So you end up just being worried, frightened, anxious about everything. Now if, you're, if there's mindfulness, <coughs> uh, then there is uh, the wisdom to see that these perceptions are they are what they are. I'm not saying we shouldn't perceive anything. Then that's another opinion we're forming, isn't it? That we shouldn't have perceptions, we shouldn't have personality. Ajahn Sumedha is against personality, absolutely against being a person. Is how you might interpret what I'm saying. Because the mind will, will go thinking that if I'm criticizing personality, then I'm against it, that I have an opinion against personality, and that we shouldn't be personalities. We've got to be kind of, kind of absolute non-persons in the Sangha, absolutely non-personal. There's no room for any personal variations or qualities here. We've got to be just one kind of clone, a Buddhist clone. And that's enlightenment, that's nibbana. Just suppressing it all down and just becoming a kind of Buddhist clone, like <coughs> a doll that's manufactured on an assembly line, one exactly like the next. That's, that's what Sangha is. Just a bunch of clones, like plastic dolls manufactured in you can hardly see any difference. Because the mind will grasp another perception, a, a negative one, like against we shouldn't be persons, we shouldn't have personalities. We shouldn't ever complain about anything. We shouldn't, and then we form opinion with the shoulds and shouldn'ts and the ideas we have the way you interpret what I'm saying. But this is a reflection only, and, it, and so reflective thought isn't, isn't they're trying to convince you of that my opinions, that you should grasp my opinions or believe my opinion, but it's an encouragement to look at The, the way you put the perceptions you you, uh, you create in your mind not to criticize because criticism is, is another is another way of perceiving things that there's something wrong with perception but just noticing the nature of perception is mindful that the perception is this way
So then that is, we refer that back to the Buddha seeing the Dhamma. Now in the, this refuge, I go to refuge, I take refuge, is, is, a, is a convention, is a perception also. It, it is, it is a, a pattern, it is an example, a metaphor, a simulacrum. It is something to, to contemplate what it, and, and, and apply, to internalize it, to see that in the, and to reflect on it, to give it, to, so that you, you begin to use this, this form, this pattern, this paradigm, Not as a belief, not to believe in it. I don't, not, I'm trying to get you away from grasping and believing in everything, but try to, try to wean you away from hanging on to everything or throwing everything out. But learn how to use this, the situation we're in. For one thing, they say, this, I was born long time ago. The result of birth is that for nearly 57 years I've lived as in this conscious state. And the conscious, and for 57 years now, this sense of this consciousness is, is it means that I'm, I have to perceive and experience life from this form. This is a reflection, isn't it? Is, this is just to explain uh, what birth means. The result of birth is that is, is that uh, there's this conscious, sensitive experience going on within this form, the karmic inheritance from my parents, their genes and all that. My mother and father, and the sperm attacked my mother's egg. This is what happened. So that's kind of a miracle, isn't it? It's a, it's a miracle in itself. Nature is, is wonderful. But then, this experience of uh, consciousness is this way. For 57 years, there's this ongoing sensitivity and, and having to, to kind of feel heat and cold and pleasure and pain. And, and then the conditioning process took place. We're all brought up in a, you know, all conditioned and influenced by our, what our parent, what our mother thinks, mother feels. The mother's the, probably the first person that we, we relate to quite naturally. So the way our mother thinks and feels and what she believes in and what she she uh, regards as true and false, right and wrong, is influencing us. That's the kind of early conditioning process from mother and from father, from brother, sister and aunt, uncles, grandparents and 
playmates and schooling and all this, this whole process of conditioning takes place, of forming a personality, an ego, a sense of self, of being identified very much with your appearance and your the sex of your body and the and uh, whether you're white or black or yellow or red or whether you're attractive and pretty or or plain or not not attractive or ugly or whether you have beautiful uh, we can we can create a whole personality around uh, maybe an an ungainly feature uh, having a hunchback or a or big feet, having a big nose, having squinty eyes, <coughs> having uneven teeth. <coughs> we can, we can, as we become self-conscious, we, we can really uh, become very identified with some unpleasant feature we might have, physical feature. And so, then we tend to interpret uh, our experiences from uh, from all this we can do this the rest of our lives just experience our life and interpret it in these very distorted ways as a personality as somebody that has a big nose or feet are too big or as a man or a woman or as a as a lovable person or a not lovable person Sometimes parents, most of the time, parents like one child better than the other. And even though parents usually would like to love all of them all equally, naturally we have affinities. Our affinities mean that we prefer or like being or enjoy one particular type more than another. This is just a, so this can be this can also affect us. the fact that maybe our parents didn't have a mother didn't have a great affinity maybe she had too much in my case it's too much <coughs> my mother had too great an affinity <laughs> loved me too much but that's just the experience of life it's nothing nothing to carry around and blame anyone for, but it, it, it was, these are the problems, the experiences, the difficulties that affect these sensitive formations. So we, we have a lot of our self-importance and, and uh, we, every, inter everything is interpreted from this, from being a person. Sakaya Ditti is, uh, is, the, is the personality view. But personality view can be witnessed, can't it? I can, wi I can witness it. I can see the kind of 
I can listen, I can observe the sense of I'm this way, I shouldn't, I should. I can observe that, that my perceptions of you are perceptions. And I really, what? I mean, in a perception in my mind. And then say, if I'm, I'm looking at Venerable Yamadasi now, that say, when I go back to my room, I can still perceive him in my mind, and I can think about him. But there's the knowing that that is perception and memory. It's not, it's not Venerable Yamadasi. It's perception and memory in the mind. That's, so that is not a person, that's not making a personality for, for myself or for him. It is the Buddha seeing the Dhamma. That's Dhamma. Knowing of Dhamma. That perception is impermanent and not self. We chant that every morning. Now, with perception, we can use it to notice when it's present and when it's not. Like just a, just thinking about, say, that some some people that, that bring up strong emotions perceives to perceive somebody who's who's neutral. Who say somebody start this perceive somebody that doesn't arouse any strong feelings of love, hate liking, disliking, nothing much happened when you think of their name. There's nothing much, doesn't spark off an emotional reaction. But then there's other per- people that we perceive that will send, start us going, again. start off some kind of strong emotional reaction of either feeling great love or fascination or interest or great aversion or jealousy or fear. Now think of, think of, perceive somebody uh, that just arouses anger or fear or jealousy or maybe infatuation or love. Now that is that is emotional reaction, you know, perception, and then we can we perceive something, and then there's a, then we can react to it. You know, and we, oh, what he this way and he's that way and he did this to me and blah, 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 blah. this is this is you can listen to that you can observe an emotional reaction. So that is a, a programming thing, isn't it? It's it's like a computer. You 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 have your buttons that when that button is pressed, then sometimes if it presses a, a, a perception that is neutral, that that you have no much, not much uh, feeling about, but others really bring up 
strong feelings, resentment, this idea of, of somebody in authority. Not only is uh, Ajahn Sumato as a person, but he's abbot, he's teacher, he's upacharya. He's the boss. He's got the power. He's, and we, we, can, we can perceive all kinds of things that, that spark off this sense of somebody <coughs> that's, that's above or somebody that is, has the power, somebody that is the authority. And that we can do very strong fear or resistance or jealousy or resentment or against authority. Or we can we can uh, feel tremendous respect or I mean, it can be a very positive feeling also. But just to note, say what that that, that this what a rea- uh, emotional reaction is. We can just, something can ruin our day, just what somebody says to us. Somebody says something unkind or rude, and we can spend the whole day just terribly upset about, about it. For days. Some of, some of us, some of you can actually be upset for months at a time. You're so good at it. But then, when we see the Buddha, when we when we reflect on the Buddha, knowing the Dhamma, we we we're willing to look at it, at the at the actual reaction, the mood, the feeling. Feeling upset or offended or misunderstood or not appreciated or not liked or not good enough or failure or what, what, those kind of uh, feelings we, when we look at them for what they are we're not denying their presence or their feeling ability they're not, not saying we shouldn't feel that way but we are recognizing it as Dhamma as the Buddha knowing Dhamma Now what is it to, to that is knowing? It's we to to be mindful, to be aware. We we have to start with uh, that's why we use anapanasati or the posture or the body uh, in order to to establish this sense of of the subject looking at the object without it going into emotion personal emotions or high-flying feelings. Anapanasati is, doesn't spark up any great emotions. Mm-hmm. It's not absolutely fantastic or it's not horrible. The body, say, sitting, standing, walking, lying down the posture, 
with ordinary postures, the way it is. But when saying there's no particular extreme conditions present, so that there's this sense of watching, observing, witnessing, like the Buddha is the the knowing, the aware, that which is aware, knows things as they are, not deluded, knows the condition, the sankhara, that is impermanent, knows <coughs> dhamma, and is not identified with, with, in any way, doesn't need to, to become a Buddha. Buddha doesn't think, I'm Buddha. You don't, you don't need to go around. Uh, if, if you think you're Buddha, then that's another sankhara you're creating. So it's not, not becoming or thinking or perceiving yourself as Buddhas, but in being aware in that, that, that pattern, that relationship of the subject-object is, that's going along with this experience of consciousness, isn't it? That's in alignment with, with the experience that we all have from being born is conscious being conscious creatures for a lifetime. But instead of consciousness being uh, connected, be, being conditioned through ignorance and self-view and all that, which it, it is till we break through that illusion, we're now using consciousness for, uh, with wisdom. Consciousness is being used with wisdom. And that is the Buddha, that is the, the pattern of the Buddha seeing and knowing Dhamma. So we're not abstracting Buddha as some kind of ethereal spirit that's what we, when we believe in Buddha, if we believe in Buddha or the one mind or God or any of these terms, metaphysical terms, then it, it tends to, we're creating a, a sankhara that we tend to believe in. And, and so Buddha, if we believe in Buddha, or we believe there's a little Buddha inside my heart, or there's a force somehow in the universe called Buddha, all that, that way of, that, that tendency to grasp perception is never, is never really seen. Or believing in God, or it's kind of believing, clinging, dana-upadana uh, problem, is never, is never observed, never noticed. So you can, you can, uh, that's why the Buddha uh, didn't, uh, create metaphysical doctrines to grasp. Why there's, why there's no kind of doctrinal position that a Buddhist takes, a metaphysical doctrine that we, that we start from. We're not, uh, we don't start with, I believe in Buddha. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. 
and in Jesus Christ his only Son our Lord it's a, that's, those are uh, doctrines, dogmas that one believes in so the result of believing in those doctrines is what? that you, you try to interpret and experience life from those doctrinal positions you're, you're always those are influencing your experience of life all the time because of, of your ability to believe and then you and grasp believing is a is a, is a kind of grasping so then we uh, we tend to see or interpret everything from from that which is is fair enough it's uh, one way of doing it but the problem with that approach is that it's very difficult to let go and to see the see the the perception of God is not God or the belief in God is is a belief or the the perception of God is a perception because there's so much emotional investment in it isn't it talking to the father the brothers at uh, Sancta Maria Abbey and spent a weekend at this Cistercian Monastery in Scotland and these, these brothers were very they just were so attached to the idea of a personal relationship with God that they felt really confused and bewildered by the the, the fact that we don't we don't do that as Buddhists we don't have personal relationship with God but there's so much investment emotional investment in there in believing in God as a person as a as a force that is a, that has this father-like relationship is kind of protective and loving caring force in the universe that looks after you so you can sit here and God's in here and he's protecting me and it's a that's a very warm very positive feeling admittedly but what say as as Buddha seeing the Dhamma, we would see that feeling as a condition of the mind, as a sankara, which is not condemning that feeling or saying we shouldn't have it, but it is recognizing things for what they are. It's knowing the Dhamma the way it is. I'm not criticizing Christians for believing in those things and saying they shouldn't have beliefs, but what what is what we have in the, in this particular form is the willingness to observe the way it is. Because this is what we can do. This is the this is the the message of the Buddha was that that in this human form we can see clearly. We can be. We can realize ultimate reality. We can be free from delusion through mindfulness, wisdom, wisdom. So, this, this is, this is uh, a reflection to know the cessation of a condition, of a feeling, of a mood. So on this retreat, I've been emphasizing this, the realization of non-greed, non-hatred, non-delusion of uh, desirelessness uh, 
when there's anger and and when there's no anger. Like say example right now, there's no anger in my mind. I don't feel any there's nothing angry in me right now. No sankara that it is that way. So it's like this. The reflecting that this is the way it is. Not but taking just the perception of non anger and taking and, and, and just observing what my mind is like. What it's like to not be angry. This way. So there's mindfulness, there's, there's um, intelligence, there's, uh, there's certainly brightness of the mind, to see, to realize no self. You have to listen to your emotions and as, uh, as the Buddha, as the Buddha seen the Dhamma, you know, seen, um, all the emotional things that one is so, uh, one believes is oneself. Right? I don't like this, I want that. There's whole kind of whining, complaining, negative, uh, or the, or it's opposite of being uh, a personality uh, that uh, just likes to have a good time and laugh and sing and love everyone and jump up and down and and be positive about everything. But the, that which can observe and and reflect and investigate. And listen to the personality and and the mood and the feeling as Dhamma. Is it permanent? Can you, is there a fe permanent feeling or a permanent mood? And so that which is, that you can sustain this kind of knowing, this is sustainable. Just an attentiveness of and listening, uh, awareness. So that is the refuge in Buddha, being able to sustain attention and witness, observe, investigate and the Dhamma, to know Dhamma, all of this subject to rise and the subject to see things. 